0: God's people have always understood that material things were important, but not the top priority. The best things in life aren't things, which is why sin is the breaking or straining of a relationship. When we place that much value on relationships, we can more easily see the value in setting aside our differences only then can we truly be generous with others. Only then can we stop obsessing over our worldly stuff and learn to be truly rich toward God. Welcome to the Real Word podcast for the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C. Our first reading is from Ecclesiastes. It's chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the Colossians. It's chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and verses 9 through 11. And our gospel reading is from Luke. It's chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Uh, Just a couple things to note. First, we do have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Ecclesiastes is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Colossians is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our gospel reading. Tonight, we'll see that the teacher says, "'Everything is meaningless.'" Paul says, set your sights a little higher. And Jesus says, don't be a fool. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain, even at night their minds do not rest. This, too, Is meaningless. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and is in all. And our Gospel is from Luke. Someone in the crowd said to him, "'Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me.' Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Ecclesiastes, and in this reading we we read about a man who spends all of his time toiling away to accumulate all kinds of stuff all sorts of material possessions and wealth and he toils says using all of his wisdom knowledge and skill but for what he still has still has to deal with anxiety grief and pain just like everyone else and and what happens after he spends his life toiling away under the sun accumulating all that wealth he dies and leaves it all to someone who didn't have to work for it. Wow, it sounds like they had problems with wealthy trust fund kids a few thousand years ago, too. Not only that, but the person described in this reading sounds an awful lot like like the typical workaholic we see today. Put in those 80-hour weeks to climb the corporate ladder, get the bigger paychecks and the, the heftier bonuses. And then then buy that McMansion in the burbs, a a couple fancy cars and that winter home on a southern beach. Even those who can't afford all of those things, people who can't afford all of that, they might still be greedy today, right? Just in a way that's a bit closer to their means. They'll, They'll lease the fancy car. They make sure they've got the latest iPhone, they buy the designer clothes, and maybe carry a a massive balance on several credit cards in order to do it. No matter where we are on the economic scale, we just never seem to have enough stuff. And our consumption-based society doesn't want us to change. Oh, sure, some, some people manage to fight the urge to accumulate stuff, and I've tried to learn from them. I don't know about you, but I have at least a dozen books on decluttering. (laughs) Ironically, getting interested in decluttering has just added to the clutter. It's like stuff, stuff, and more stuff. And there's just so much cool new stuff out there. We just buy bigger houses with bigger garages to store all of our stuff. And if that doesn't work, we can always rent a storage unit to handle the overflow. (laughs) But let's face it. What good is always going after the bigger, better, and newer stuff? Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. (laughs) Why? Because we aren't going to find meaning in all those material things. We can only find meaning in our relationships, your relationship with yourself, with others, and most importantly, with your God. Yeah, life can be difficult without the necessities. And yes, a few luxuries can also improve things a bit. But those things should never be the point of it all. So the main message I got from our first reading is that the best things in life aren't things. I know, I know it's something I read on a bumper sticker, but that doesn't make it any less true. As the teacher said, everything is meaningless, and you can't take any of it with you. All you can do is leave it for someone else who hasn't worked for it. So is that bad? Is is inheritance bad? Not necessarily. In fact, most of us parents, we really would like to leave something other than debt to our kids and our grandkids, but doing that can't become the point of our lives. None of it matters without relationships. So we just need to remember that the best things in life aren't things. Our second reading was from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. And in this reading, we, we actually get a twi- uh, kind of a Christian twist on a common Greco-Roman philosophy from the time. And ancient philosophers would have understood and agreed with what St. Paul told the people to do. He said to get rid of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. These were all common philosophical positions of the time. Now, what those philosophers wouldn't have understood is St. Paul's reason for doing these things. And Paul doesn't say, do this because I think it's the right and moral thing to do. Paul says, in essence, do this because you've been baptized in Christ. As baptized Christians, we're, we, we've, we've given up our old selves and our, and our lives are now, quote, hidden with Christ in God. A lot like the first reading, Paul says not to focus on earthly things, but on things above. Paul challenges us to stop living for the material things on this earth and instead make sure we're living for Christ. Paul also says to stop focusing on the differences we had as our old selves. He says to stop thinking, stop thinking of yourself as a Gentile or a Jew, as a barbarian or someone civilized, as slave or free, as, as rich or poor as a citizen or an immigrant, as a red state or a blue state, because those human labels don't mean anything to God. If we are true disciples, then Christ is all and is in all. And that final point is something to think about, because it was a different way of, of thinking for many people at the time. I. Paul was saying, God, God isn't some deep voice bearded guy in the sky. God, through Christ Jesus, is with us and in us, not far, far away up in the clouds, listening to angels play jazz on the harp. God is with us. Now, you can probably imagine that this wasn't a message that the priestly class appreciated, because it implied That we can come to know our Lord without relying solely on the priests to be the intermediaries. It implied that God can work through all of us, and it was supported by Jesus when he said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Anyway, the main message I got from our second reading is that we need to set aside our differences and focus on Christ. And how do we focus on Christ? Well, start by doing what St. Paul suggested. Put to death things like immorality, lust, evil desires, and greed. If we can banish those ideas, if we can find a way to purify our thoughts, then it becomes a lot easier to set aside our differences. Because it's easier to be more open and less defensive. The goal then should be to set aside our differences and focus on Christ. And finally, our Gospel reading was from Luke. And this reading begins with a young man asking Jesus, well, interrupting Jesus. Jesus had been teaching and the young man interrupts him and asks him to mediate a fight he's having with his brother, over an inheritance now we don't see it in this exchange but but based upon what jesus was discussing prior to this earlier in chapter 12 it was likely that this was a dispute over land a jewish law basically stated that land was to be kept within the family and the eldest son should inherit at least twice what any other child inherited Oh, and and even though Jesus asks, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? The fact is that rabbis were often called upon to um, arbitrate these types of disputes. Anyway, instead of getting sucked into the family squabble, Jesus lays out a warning. He says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And to drive home that message, he he tells the parable of the rich fool, who has a huge harvest and only focuses on keeping it all for himself. A lot like the man in our first reading, right? This guy, he's going to toil away, building bigger barns to hold it all, and then he'll eat, drink, and be merry. You know, clearly, the, the idea of sharing the excess with others, it doesn't even seem to occur to him. You know the rest. Before he can enjoy his accumulated worldly wealth, God says, ding, time's up. As I said earlier, you can't take it with you. And this rich fool found that out firsthand. And when his life was over, what did he have to show for his time on earth? Just some bigger barns full of grain and some future plans for a lavish lifestyle that he never got to live. Now, at the end of this reading, Jesus told the young man and the crowd who was there, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Think about that sentence in, in light of our second reading, where St. Paul said that Christ is all and in all. Being rich toward God includes. Being generous with others. It's not about building bigger cathedrals and donating more to the church. I, I suppose that can be part of it. But I have a feeling that if the rich fool had taken all of the extra he had from his bountiful harvest and had used it to feed his neighbors and his community, the parable wouldn't be called the rich fool. It would be called the man who was rich toward God. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we must be rich toward God. Possessions aren't bad, and Jesus didn't say, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, period, full stop. No, he said, he said this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. If we focus on Christ and see Christ in others, it'll be easier to share what we have, easier to be generous when we have the modern-day equivalent of a bountiful harvest. If our focus is solely on storing up stuff for ourselves, then we're going to end up in trouble because we must be rich toward God. All right. Let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Ecclesiastes, the main message I came away with was the best things in life aren't things. In our second reading from Colossians, the main message I got was set aside our differences and focus on Christ. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was we must be rich toward God. You know, going all the way back to the Old Testament times, the people understood that material things, earthly possessions, were important, but not the top priority by any means. The best things in life aren't things, there are relationships. In fact, that's why I teach young people that they should think about sin as being the breaking or straining of a relationship, a relationship with ourselves, with others, or with God. And when we place that much value on relationships, we can more easily see the value in setting aside our differences. I mean, think about it. Maintaining our man made differences and, and using them to attack others or keep them separate from us would certainly count as breaking or straining a relationship. It's clearly sinful, which is why we're called to set aside our differences and focus on Christ. Only then can we truly be generous with others. Only then can we stop obsessing over our worldly stuff and learn to be truly rich toward God. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I like to answer two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because I'm not aware of any major or minor conflict throughout history that wasn't because of earthly things and man-made differences. Even evil acts perpetrated by individuals They all come from greed and and immoral or evil desires. The political conflicts that I see playing out in the United States today are all driven by greed and man-made differences. I see see corporations paying as little as they can to their employees, as much as they can to their executives and, and investors, and then spending millions and millions of dollars to ensure that politicians don't force them to be more fair and equitable i see i see church leaders weaponizing the sacraments and attacking people who disagree with them instead of approaching every situation with an open and loving heart when our church leaders are quick to label and dismiss entire groups of people they're creating and solidifying differences they're doing the opposite of what saint paul has told them to do They're straining and breaking relationships. They are sinning. I see good people suddenly turn into NIMBYs. They fight for things like adequate and affordable housing, as long as it's not in my backyard. If you build all that affordable housing, that affordable, low income housing, what's going to happen to my property values? What's going to happen when all of those poor kids end up in, in school with my kids? It's amazing what happens when good people find out that solutions might hit a little close to home. We should care about this because it's a universal problem, and none of us are completely innocent. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do, right? Where do we go from here? Well, knowing that many of our disputes are linked to the protection of our earthly possessions— Let's start by breaking our addiction to our stuff. Let's, let's practice letting go of things so we have more time to focus on our relationships. So, with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. And it is a real challenge. Start getting rid of some of your stuff. Let me give you a couple examples. I have dozens of shirts and pants in my closet that are covered in dust because I haven't worn them in years. So I need to donate them, or get rid of them, and, and only keep the clothes th- that actually fit me and that I like to wear. Then I need to do things like when I buy a new shirt, I should try to get rid of an old one rather than just accumulating it all over again. I've also started going through the boxes of stuff stored in my basement and in my office. You know, just because something isn't broken doesn't mean I need to keep it. I've, I've started donating those things and recycling a lot of them. I had magazines that were years old. There are so many new things I want to read. There's no way. I'm going to go back and catch up on all these old magazine articles. So they're gone. As I've started getting rid of some of this old stuff, It's almost liberating and I really do find myself wanting to spend more time with real people, having real life experiences and building stronger relationships. I'm finding myself less attached to my stuff. You can do the same and you can start by getting rid of some of your stuff. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're thinking about breaking your addiction to earthly things, remember what we read in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Look, we're all facing the same thing, the temptation to focus on possessions and not relationships. But giving into that temptation is not inevitable. It's a choice. And God has provided us with a way to escape if we can learn to focus on Christ. All right. We've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word, and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for Respect, Engage, Accept, and Lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from The Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, In 2011, by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.